Welcome to the podcast edition of Dream Talk Radio. I'm your host, Anne Hill, and every week I explore topics related to dreams, sleep, health, culture, and consciousness. Dream Talk Radio airs every Thursday from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific Time on KOWS 107.3 FM in Occidental, California. And you can catch the live stream at www.kows.fm. Meanwhile, I hope you enjoy this edition of Dream Talk Radio. It is 9 o'clock, time for Dream Talk Radio. I'm your host, Ann Hill, every Thursday here on COWS, uh, talking about dreams, sleep, and uh, all the places that we go in our dreams and our sleep. And this morning, I'm very happy to have a, a return guest. This is, uh, We will be talking to Robert Wagner, the author of Lucid Dreaming, Gateway to the Inner Self. Robert has been on the show before talking about lucid dreaming, and the, today, in particular, we want to talk about the new movie that's out, Inception. Uh, the movie Inception with uh, Leo DiCaprio and uh, various interesting uh, characters, and, and it really is set in a dream world. So uh, what what better subject matter for this morning? Robert, welcome back to Dream Talk Radio. Thanks for having me, Anne. Yeah, it's great to have you on the phone. We had such an enjoyable conversation last time. I'm looking forward to this one. So uh, you have a website at lucidadvice.com, and on it there's a link to... A, uh, a a blog article that you just wrote on 10 things I like about Inception. Now, I've been uh, on a few different dream email lists and on my little, with my Facebook friends talking about Inception and uh, views are pretty mixed, but I, I, I like the way in your blog article, you've just sort of laid out a bunch of stuff and, and I had to say, okay, yeah, sure, that this stuff is really true. It did handle certain things about dreams really well. And so um, maybe you can just sort of, you know, talk about what you liked about the the, uh, the movie and how it portrayed dreaming. Right. Uh, all of us lucid dreamers were really looking forward to the movie Inception because we knew at its base was the idea of lucid dreaming. And lucid dreaming means, of course, to become consciously aware of dreaming while in the dream state. Yeah. And uh, people like myself have been lucid dreaming for 35 years, so we have a lot of experience uh, with that state of consciousness, and uh, we're, we're very excited about the movie. It, it's also um, um, the case that the director, the producer of the movie, Christopher Nolan, um, has also had some lucid dreams, and uh, so, so he, he has some understanding of what it means to become consciously aware in the dream state. And, and and so that that's how he came up with the idea for the movie Inception, and uh, and that's why all of us lucid dreamers were hoping to, to have mm -hmm. an excellent movie uh, on uh, lucid dreaming and what's that like. Yeah. Uh, so um, I decided to focus on the things that I liked about Inception, and uh, well, one of the first things I liked was a comment by the main character uh, Cobb, uh, played by Leonardo DiCaprio. And, and he's talking to his understudy or his newest student, and he tells her, dreams seem real while we're in them. And mm -hmm. it's actually the student's first lesson because all of a sudden the uh, street around them begins to blow up or right. erupt. And, and he shows her that even though it seems real, that they both exist in a lucid dream state right then and there. 
and and that's 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 very powerful because for us lucid dreamers we know how real uh that state seems even though we're mm-hmm. consciously aware the details and the and the events are still fascinating um any hollywood set designer would be proud to do what the lucid dreaming mind uh, does because it just creates such fantastic real seeming settings yeah so, so that was the first thing i liked about uh, the movie inception uh-huh and i want to go back a little bit when you were mentioning christopher nolan i did not realize that that the idea for the movie had come from his experience as a lucid dreamer uh what has he been what, or go ahead yes uh it, there was an la times interview with uh, christopher nolan i believe back in april okay and and the first thing that he brought up was was how real lucid dreaming state that, that lucid dream state seemed because you're in the dream you know it's a dream but if you pinch yourself it feels like you've pinched yourself if you yeah. if you touch the grass it feels like grass if you pull up a blade of grass it it just looks also real and so the the captivating thing for many new lucid dreamers is just that how mm. real how real that internal world of the lucid dream seems yes and and so uh, Christopher Nolan said that um, I think it was eight or ten years ago that he came up with the idea of inception and, and I, I believe it was as a result of some lucid dream experiences oh, he interesting. had had. Oh, that would be interesting to get him on the show too there's all these interesting dreams coming uh, all these interesting movies being made about dreams well I mean I guess that's not a new phenomenon but still uh, it's I, I like highlighting the the aspect of creativity that comes from our dreams um, one uh, just to uh, sort of underscore the point you just made about how real dreams seem. I'm reminded of the scene early on in the movie where uh, Ken Watanabe, I can't remember the name of his character, um, Japanese man who they they are sort of tricking into this dreamscape, falls to the floor, and uh, he's he's sort of holding onto the carpet on the floor, and he feels the uh, the texture of the uh, I guess it's sort of a shag carpet and he says ah this is this particular type of fabric and I don't have this in my office or this isn't in this part of the world and therefore I must be dreaming and it's this lovely sort of tell and then the the scene unravels from that point at which something in that really real landscape uh it pops out as as incongruous and I think you mentioned that in your article too. There, there's, there's these reality checking ideas, right? And that that's an important point uh, for all lucid dreamers. Um, many of us, upon becoming consciously aware that we're dreaming, we just do a reality check just to make sure that we we are indeed dreaming. And so, for many of us, a reality check would be uh, that we decide to levitate. Mm-hmm. Because if we can levitate, then we know for certain that we exist in the dream state. Or some people might put their finger through the wall or something like that just to prove it to themselves. Mm-hmm. But but in the uh, portion of the movie that you uh, mentioned, um, you're right. Um, uh, Inception um, brings people into the dream state and then tries to extract ideas from their mind. Yeah. But in this particular case, uh, the dreamer they brought into the dream state, he himself becomes consciously aware that it's a dream, 
because he recognizes something incongruous, mm-hmm. and uh, because of that, uh, it causes the whole uh, lucid dream episode to yeah. start to uh, unravel for yeah. um, Cobb and, and the rest of the dream extractors. Right. now, And, and that brings up another point, which uh, is sort of... Uh, revealed at that moment in the movie because there besides Cobb and the Ken Watanabe figure there's a a third figure in that room who it turns out and this is not really a spoiler alert because it's pretty early in the the movie um, he's the he's the architect he's the one who has constructed beforehand the 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 entire interior and the whole world the dream world that they will be entering and uh, it, it this is kind of an interesting trope, uh, and I, but so I mean we could go a lot of different places. I guess this is one of the places that I I really I thought was a little far fetched in the movie. It's like, uh, does that are is the movie implying that we actually create the entire dream world? Because I don't I don't really believe that. That's not been my experience with dreams. Yeah, it was interesting to see the um, introduction of a dream architect to kind of establish what the dream scene is going to be yeah. and the parameters of the dream scene and all. Uh, for lucid dreamers, uh, we basically realize that we do not control the dream. At least that's what I teach people, that lucid dreamers do not control the dream mm-hmm. uh, just as a sailor does not control the sea. Uh, the, the lucid dreamers, they direct their focus, uh, their perception, their awareness around the dream state but, but they do not control the dream state. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason I bring that up is, is just for this idea of the architect. Because if you're a lucid dreamer and you decide to fly around the next corner of the building, when you get to the other side, you'll see a very appropriate image. Mm-hmm. But did you, the lucid dreamer, create that image on the other side of the building? No, not consciously at least. Yeah. Um, the subconscious still continues with you in the lucid dream state and brings about appropriate images and appropriate uh, events um, as you might expect. And, and so, so in the movie, we have an um, actual person who acts as the architect, but, but we lucid dreamers know uh, that, that along with our conscious waking self, there's also that subconscious self that, that creates images mm-hmm. and kind of creates the architecture of, of what we experience in the lucid dream. Right. Yeah, it's an interesting idea. And this might get be getting a little bit too uh, complex too early on in the morning but for people. But, you know, <laughs> it is interesting. They talked a lot in the movie about the subconscious and that we really are... Uh, you know everything that is in, is down in there, whether it's repressed or understood or or de- being dealt with or being uh, shoved aside, is with us when we dream. And I thought that was a really good message of the movie. On the other hand, I mean, I was sort of rebelling as I was watching it, thinking, "Well, wait a second, the subconscious isn't all that's there." Y- you know, I mean, by v- there's 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 stuff that comes out of nowhere in dreams too so i was a little bit i you know getting becoming a movie critic as you were watching the movie that was my one of my big criticisms (laughs) you know so even if we plan the dream yeah go ahead you know um i i I agree with you on some level um uh, besides the lucid dreamer we also have the subconscious but it, it also seems like there's more going on as well 
And and so lucid dreaming is actually a very uh, complex um, hybrid state of consciousness. Yes. And uh, and and you you can look at it from from very many perspectives. It seems. Yes. Well, I mean, it was very cool what they were able to do with the architecture. And that one scene you were mentioning earlier with, I guess it's Ellen Page, I think that's the name of the actress, with Leo DiCaprio, right. Ariadne, which there's a there's a little archetype for you there. Uh, the, you know, it, 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 revealing that, that there's these, these uh, whole cityscapes can hinge and all the weird things you can do with dream geography. You've had some experience with sort of manipulating the geography of dreams in, in, uh, in lucid dreaming, isn't that right? Right. Uh, when, when you're consciously aware in the dream state, um, you can use your beliefs, your focus, your expectation, your intent, your will to, to manipulate uh, the dream environment. Um, I remember once in a lucid dream, I was uh, teaching uh, my wife, uh, who was also with me in the lucid dream, uh, how to manipulate the dream environment. Mm. And so we were on a stairway, and, and I told her, okay, to get to the next landing, to get up all these stair steps, uh, just see yourself at the next landing, and you'll be there. Just concentrate mm-hmm. on it. And so I flew up to the next landing, and then she flew up to the next landing. And then, then I wanted to show her how to use the will. And so on the next landing, I decided to have the, the stairway banister just bend down like a pretzel and come to me, whereupon I grabbed it, and then it went back to place and brought me up to the next landing. Mm. And so... You can also use your will, your intent to to make things happen. Yeah. But um, it it is quite beautiful and marvelous to see the just the enormous creativity uh, that you have access to when you're consciously aware in the yes. dream state. Um, so often, lucid dreamers just take that for granted, and that was one of the things that I liked about the uh, movie that 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 Christopher Nolan showed how lucid dreaming allows us almost complete access to, to the subconscious creativity. Mm-hmm. And, and in the waking world, um, lucid dreaming has been used by painters and novelists and songwriters and programmers and engineers and, and all sorts of people to kind of access that inner muse mm-hmm. uh, while consciously aware mm-hmm. in the dream state. Mm. We're listening, uh, I'm sorry, you're listening to Dream Talk Radio. We are in Dream Talk Radio. <laughs> Uh, this is Anne Hill. I'm your host this morning. I'm talking to Robert Wagner on the phone. Robert is the author of Lucid Dreaming, Gateway to the Inner Self, and uh, an accomplished lucid dreamer. And, you know, Robert, as you're talking, I'm realizing one of the things that I really liked about the movie, it, it's almost a sort of a, um, a... The movie itself was a sort of a dream incubation in the sense that here we all are sitting here watching people be awake as they're dreaming, you know, realizing exactly what's happening, even when there's a part in the movie when uh, because uh, a big van is, has, has, you know, driven off a bridge and everybody's in free fall, the other levels of the dreamer, all, all the dreamers on the other levels are in free fall as well. And they know that that's happening in their world because somebody in another world is, you know, so, you know, there's this lucidity on many levels and just being, just watching that, watching people or these characters go about what they're doing with an awareness that is multi-tiered, 
was really cool. I don't think I've ever seen that in a movie, and I wonder if that will be a sort of a jogging the the mind and the curiosity of of people. You know, like can I do that too? Right, exactly. Yeah. I, I think the, <laughs> the 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 moviegoers really have to pay attention in this movie because. Oftentimes you'll see small anomalies, mm-hmm. uh, small things occurring, and those are the only way you can clue in to whether it's waking reality or whether it's mm-hmm. lucid dreaming reality or whether it's some different level of the dream experience. Mm-hmm. And so you really do have to pay enormous attention, and, and that's one of the beautiful things because the movie draws you in there and and keeps your attention focused at such a high level just so that you can understand yeah. uh, what, what you're experiencing. But um, it's, it's curious in the movie, but because it is kind of uh, Hollywood, um, that that they use a, a fantasy device. Uh, they call it passive, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of a machine that injects a drug into the lucid dreamers and gets them to various levels uh, of their subconscious mm-hmm while consciously aware. And, and of course, uh, that fantasy, fantasy device passive doesn't exist in the waking world. But, but there is one way that lucid dreamers like myself uh, seem to move around in various levels of the subconscious. Mm-hmm. And just to tell your listeners how I do it, is when I become consciously aware in the dream state, I, I know I exist within the dream. And so sometimes I shout out to what I consider the awareness behind the dream, I'll just shout out, I want to go to the next level (laughs) or take me to the next form. And then, boom, just at that instant, the entire experience will change. And frequently I'll I'll be in my house uh, consciously aware or I'll be outside consciously aware in in a totally new, different environment. Mm. So it, it does seem possible uh, to actually move to different levels of the subconscious w- when you're become an accomplished lucid right. dreamer and, and able to make that kind of intent. But now when you say in a dream, take me to the, lex- the next level or the, the next form, does, do you find that there is a, a, a connection in some way between the, the, the level that you are at and the one you, you go to? I mean, how, do, how are those related you know experiences yeah, you know mm-hmm. normally normally there does uh, yeah i'm sorry nor- normally there doesn't really t- seem to be there doesn't seem to be a direct correlation uh-huh. um, um, if i become consciously aware in a dream state uh, where i'm watching a circus and, and then i think oh the, a circus doesn't exist that, mm-hmm. that this is all a dream and i shout out i want to go to the next level normally when i shout that out i'll find myself in my house, hmm. uh, my, my current present-day house, at least the appearance of my current present-day house, and from there I can go flying around the neighborhood or do whatever. So hmm. there doesn't really seem to be uh, a direct correlation as you see mm-hmm. in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, th- th- that correlation just doesn't seem to exist. Hmm. So maybe, uh, so maybe the dreaming uh, mind interprets take me to the next level as Okay, the the gestalt of your consciousness at this moment in time, whatever's sunk sort of down below that, or or you know, it, it doesn't necessarily mean any continuity of of uh, 
geography or even intent really or you know the 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 stuff of the dream scene doesn't have to be related at all it's some something that that is logical in the dreaming mind that's sort of maybe inscrutable to the dreamer at the time that that might be it exactly it'd be interesting though to to uh have 20 or 30 lucid dreamers Mm. uh try this same uh, request when they're consciously aware in the dream state and see what they experience. Um, it, it, even though uh, scientists um, can study the outside of the lucid dream and the yeah. brainwave patterns and, and those kind of things, there's still this whole interior world of lucid dreaming uh, that, that's still open for exploration. And, and it's, it's curious when you discover that lucid dreamers all around the world are having very similar experiences independently of each other uh, when they try various uh, techniques and all in the dream state. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, there, there's lucid dreaming brings up just thousands of questions yeah. about why that experience and, and why that response uh, to the various requests yes. to the awareness behind the dream. One of the, the things you mentioned in your blog post, which incidentally we can tell people uh, you can access Robert's 10 Things I Like About Inception at uh, by going to lucidadvice.com and then clicking the link to the blog, and it's right up there at the top. One of the things you talk about, and, and I know you covered this really well in your book as well, is the role of expectation. And this showed up in the movie too. If a person doesn't know that they're in a dream and they get wounded or shot there they believe it it's real because they expect it to be real can you talk more about how that works in dreams right uh for for lucid dreamers we call this the expectation effect Mm -hmm. Uh, when you become consciously aware in the dream state you normally experience what you expect to experience so um, the example i use is if i expect to fly through a wall in the lucid dream if I expect to fly through easily, I'll normally just fly through easily. Mm-hmm. But if I expect to have a difficult time, oftentimes I'll just hit that wall and bounce off and land on the floor. So, so we really see that when we're consciously aware in the dream state, um, we're no longer functioning with physical rules or physical laws, that instead we have mental rules and, and mental laws that guide uh, how the dream that dreaming mind uh, responds. So, so we call this the expectation effect. Mm-hmm. You also notice it when it comes to the issue of pain. Mm-hmm. Um, if in a lucid dream I decide to pinch myself hard, it'll really hurt in the yeah. lucid dream. Even though I know it's a, it's a dream experience, it, it'll still hurt. But if I decide to pinch myself or, or whack myself with a hammer in the lucid dream, expecting it not to bother me or not to hurt, then it doesn't hurt. And, and so that's one of the beautiful things you learn about lucid dreaming very quickly, that, that, that it's a mentally created reality, and so your expectation uh, often runs ahead mm-hmm. of your experience. Yes. And, and the, the other thing that, I, that sort of leads into is this whole element in the movie where uh, the subconscious, where not just our expectations but our, our habits uh, come into play. The things that we carry along with us just show up. I'm, I'm thinking in particular when one of the characters is, is uh, kidnapped in the dream and it realizes he's kidnapped and 
unbeknownst to all of the the dreamers who have set this scene up, there's all of these security people suddenly in the room chasing all of them because the guy who they've kidnapped has been trained to put up these defenses and protect himself if he gets that sort of, I mean, it, it was, it's sort of a cool little, you know, sci-fi espionage thing, but I thought it was a really in, illustrative point, and maybe you can elaborate on this a little bit, the degree to which our, our, not just our expectations, but our training comes into play in lucid dreaming. Right, exactly. The, it, it reminds me of the uh, line from the um, movie, The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the line was, no matter where you go, there you are. There you are. And, and, and that's even the case in the lucid dream state, uh, as you illustrate. Uh, uh, our subconscious habits, our, our ideas, our beliefs, they all accompany us into the lucid dream state. And so oftentimes, uh, when you become consciously aware, you'll be dealing with that personal subconscious um, uh, instincts or, or just, it, it'll just be there in the environment with you. Yeah. And, and so that, that's, that's one of the important things. And also, to some degree, it's, it shows the cautionary tale of Inception. Mm -hmm. uh, there we have the main character, the lucid dreamer, Cobb. And because he fails to resolve his major personal issues in his waking life, these personal issues follow him into his lucid dreaming life. And uh, his, his understudy, uh, Ariadne, right. just repeatedly begs him to take care of these waking issues of, of guilt and grief that he has, but, but, but he refuses to. He, he avoids dealing with his subconscious issues, and, and instead he kind of seems to enjoy on one level having them there with him. Mm -hmm. and, and so they're with him in each layer of the mind that he goes to. But, but that's, that's a fundamental lesson that every lucid dreamer has to learn, that no matter where you go, there you are. Yeah. And so you have to deal with those topside issues in, in order to have... Uh, uh, constructive experience in the lucid dream state. That's right. Uh, you are listening to Dream Talk Radio here on COWS. I'm talking with Robert Wagner this morning. Robert is the author of Lucid Dreaming, and we are talking about inception and all of the issues around dreaming and particularly lucid dreaming that the movie brings up. Um, yeah, so here, this is this leads into a, a really interesting subject, and and so what what I'll ask you is how do you uh, advise people to deal with that sort of subconscious stuff when it comes up. I mean, here Cobb, the main character, was really haunted, sort of tormented by uh, what had happened in his relationship years earlier. And it brought, because he was not able to resolve it or come to some uh, some satisfactory conclusion of all of this it followed him in, in into the dreams and made him you know less effective at what he wanted to do how do you advise people to deal with that stuff when it shows up in dreams you know that's a beautiful question i i i think my first response to people is to recognize it mm -hmm. um so, so often um, in dreams and lucid dreams um, we have a tendency just to cast aside things that we don't want to pay attention to or things that we don't feel are important. Oftentimes we're very blind to these issues and, and that's why they keep following us. Right. And so, so the first thing I advise people 
is um, if you repeatedly have something occur when you become consciously aware in the dream state, pay attention to it, mm. recognize it, go to it, and and don't avoid it or neglect it, because it's going to be there, uh, I feel, until basically it it has a, a resolution. Right. Um, I, I can give you an example of uh, just just one example of of how I came to realize this and and it wasn't a big personal issue or something uh but but once I became consciously aware in a dream state because I was in a southern household sitting in a kitchen where mm. a woman put beans on my plate <laughs> and and all of a sudden the the oddity of this just hit me and I thought I don't live in the south I don't <laughs> live in this depression era farmhouse and I became consciously aware at that moment and I realized that there was a dream character behind me. So I turned around. I saw that it was an attractive young black woman. And, and I picked her up and put her right in front of me. And I asked her, what do you represent? What do you represent? And she looked at me and she said, I am a discarded aspect of yourself. Hmm. And so I sat there in the lucid dreaming thinking, well, what do you do with a discarded aspect <laughs> of yourself? And I thought the only thing I can do is just totally accept her. Yeah. And so I did so. And as I did so, suddenly she evaporated into a wisp of light that came into my torso. Wow. And when I woke that next morning, I felt this incredible new energy. So, so we have to be aware mm -hmm. as lucid dreamers what's going on around us. And if nothing else, recognize it if we can't learn to integrate it. Right. So, for instance, somebody, uh, say a young person who has a dream, a recurring dream of being chased by a bunch of bad guys, and finally uh, he or she pops awake in the dream and says, hey, wait a second, I'm dreaming, great, and, you know, uh, summons a machine gun and, and kills all the bad guys. Okay, so that's that's sort of lucid dreaming 1A. But where do you go from there? Because, you know, they're, if, they, if it's right. a recurring dream I, I think uh, I think as lucid dreamers become more experienced, that, that they realize that that these uh, hostile dream figures or upsetting dream figures really are portions of us that need acceptance and understanding and compassion. Um, so so uh, the first thing, of course, uh, when you become consciously aware is, is just to realize that you are aware but if you're dealing with a nightmare scenario, it might be difficult the first time to uh, uh, feel love and compassion towards the nightmarish figures. Mm -hmm. uh, if you do feel love and compassion towards the nightmarish figures, oftentimes you'll watch as they transform into very uh, normal and, and not threatening uh, figures. So, so it's, it's really interesting to watch that transformation. But, mm -hmm. but you're right, the, the very first time... Uh, a lucid dreamer, a beginning lucid dreamer, might have uh, the desire just to blow them away, to blow them up, to make them go away, and and, and so that's that's one way of responding. Mm -hmm. But but since these uh, issues have a tendency to recur, uh, we do learn ultimately better and better ways uh, of dealing with uh, these issues. And, and as I suggest in my book, the best way is to come to an understanding and also project love and compassion right. on these uh, shadow aspects of the self. Right. And chances are that because it is a dream, you will, you will get a second and probably third and fourth chance. 
to, to, to deal with those bad guys in some, you know, use your creativity to think of different ways, you know, to deal with the bad guys. Right, exactly. Yeah. This is, I'm really enjoying this conversation. <laughs> this dream, this uh, movie brought up so many, so many things. And I think for me, my, my overall first impression of Inception was uh, that, that it really wasn't new. This whole idea of uh, being deceived by a dream. The, we, the, you know, the plot of the movie is that these peop- this guy is a master at planting ideas in a person's deep 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 in a person's mind during the the dream state when they uh, believe that they're dreaming and this whole idea of dreams being deceptive goes back to Homer and way before I mean Agamemnon famously had a dream a, a deceptive dream planted in his mind by Zeus who <laughs> so I you know I'm wondering if um, if that's getting any play in the in the lucid dream community and what do you do with that and so this is a this is you know this old idea coming forward that dreams can't be trusted what do you do with that how do you approach that with people it's a very complex question because um, oftentimes in the lucid dream, experience, um, even though we know expectation is a basic kind of rule and guideline, oftentimes lucid dreamers encounter encounter unexpected events Mm -hmm. and and totally new ideas and different developments than than they've ever thought of before. And so so they wonder, you know, where do these ideas come from? Where did that dream figure come from? How did this how did this thought come into my mind? And and so it's 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 something that lucid dreamers deal with quite a bit. Uh, uh, I I don't know if Zeus plants ideas or or the subconscious mind yeah. or what exactly. Uh, but but there are new and unexpected things that occur even in lucid dreams uh, that frequently bewilder the lucid dreamer. Um, I remember uh, the author uh, D. H. Lawrence uh, remarked. Uh, he often wondered if his dreams were a result of his thoughts or his thoughts were a result of his dreams. Huh. And uh, you begin to wonder, as you're consciously aware in the dream state, where do these ideas come from? Yeah. Uh, if you're an artist and you say, when I enter that next room, I want to see the greatest work of art that I could create, and you enter the next room and here's this incredible piece of art on the wall, mm-hmm. who created that? Was it the subconscious? Was it the inner self? Was it the dreamer himself somehow figured it out? Right. H- how does that all come to be? And and so, uh, so so these are very important and very difficult questions. Uh, oh. wh- wh- where do ideas come from? Yeah. And I think that was one of the beautiful things about Inception. It it made us wonder. Where does inspiration come from? Where do new ideas come from? Yeah, it, it's a it's an excellent question. And and one of the things that strikes me about that is that in in ancient times, in the ancient Greeks, for instance, believed that dreams came from outside oneself. Therefore, in the Iliad, there's the, the whole story of somebody else or, or the gods themselves planting a dream in, in Agamemnon's head. But nowadays we have, you know, our basic cosmology is that dreams come from within the psyche. So there's these interior 
uh, forms of deception, which this movie was really uh, exploiting that idea that that somebody could get inside your brain um, to to plant something in your brain. And so it makes me kind of wonder if uh, how is there a method in lucid dreaming to sort of reassure oneself of, of, of safety? Like, is there a, you know, home base or a safe place? Or if it, the dream gets too scary, what do you do? Or if you feel like it's a sort of a manipulative uh, dream situation, how do you deal with that? You know, I, I thought this idea uh, came up in Inception as well. It, it, the, the idea that uh, uh, Cobb, Leonardo DiCaprio's character brings up, when they ask him what kind of business is in, he's in, he, he responds that he's in the business of subconscious security. Mm. And, uh, and, and basically, he teaches people how to uh, recognize when they're being set up in the dream state mm. uh, so, so they don't uh, fall victim to someone planting an idea or extracting information from them. Right. But, but I, I think this is, is really uh, a crucial point, is, is this kind of basic idea of uh, where do dreams come from? Um, are they outside oneself, or do they come from within ourselves, mm-hmm. or do they come from a mixture of those yeah. uh, two situations? Um, lucid dreamers um, have done their informal pilot studies of of trying to connect in the lucid dream state, and, and there's been some apparent successes uh, along with some apparent failures as well. Hmm. Um, in my book, I have a chapter on, on mutual lucid dreams yeah. uh, in, in which I, I talk about an interesting case. Uh, um, I became consciously aware as I was sitting in a restaurant, and, and at first I was just enjoying all the details of the restaurant. I mean, the tables had coasters and salt and pepper shakers, and everything was just perfect. And, and then suddenly my friend uh, Mo uh, Monroe came in the door, and I thought, oh, my goodness, it's Mo Monroe. And I run up to her, and I go, Mo, this is a lucid dream. Do you realize we're <laughs> dreaming? But she had this look on her face of, of kind of uh, no awareness, kind mm-hmm. of glossy-eyed view. And, and so I thought, well, well, how do I convince her? And, and so I grabbed her around the waist, and I began to levitate in the lucid dream. And, and I go, see, we're floating. This is a lucid <laughs> dream. Do you realize we're dreaming? But she still had that kind of unaware look on her face. Mm-hmm. And so then I became frustrated, and, and I did something kind of funny. I, I made my hand into a peace sign, and I shoved it right in front of her face. And I go, huh. Mo, do you see this peace sign? You can use it any time you want to become consciously aware in the dream state. Hmm. Do you see this peace sign? And then I decided to wake up. Well, the, the next day, um, I didn't hear from Mo, and so I figured uh, it was just a dream experience, yeah. n- nothing to it. But, uh, but a few months later, I was in the Bay Area on business, and I called up my friend Mo to see if she wanted to have lunch. Mm-hmm. And, and so she told me a place to meet, and I was standing outside on the sidewalk when Mo came walking up to me. And just as she got up to me, she put her fingers in a peace sign and shoved it into my face. <laughs> so this <laughs> occurred during waking reality. <gasps> and and I, I said to her, I go, Mo, why are you doing that? And she goes, I don't know. I just felt like it. Hmm. And so over lunch, I told her how a few months earlier, I had lucidly dreamt of meeting her and basically did what she uh, did to me in waking reality 
uh, three or four months later. So, so it does make for some curious uh, questions when you have these kind of uh, personal experiences and, and see some of these informal studies of attempts to mutually yeah. lucid dream. You know, wh- where do dreams come from? Where does this information right. come from? It, it's, a, it's a very complex question. Well, yeah, where do they come from and where do they go? I mean, obviously there was some synchronistic thing that made your friend just shove a peace sign in your face. And does that mean that on some, uh, even though she wasn't lucid that night, there was some sort of underneath level of contact that was sort of stored and then brought out at that moment? I mean, it's fascinating. You're right. It is a very complex question. You, you know, it, and it, it also might tie in to some of those other issues of like uh, synchronicities and intuited information and, and apparent instances of telepathy and all. Mm. That there might be, on some deeper level, an interconnectedness. Um, our religious and spiritual traditions often talk about how we're all one, mm-hmm. that we're um, part of leaves on the divine vine of the Creator, uh, that, that we're, we're all connected. And, and when we hear that in church or in the synagogue or temple, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very warm, kind of fuzzy idea and, and makes us mm-hmm. all feel much better. But uh, when you start to have experiences of interconnectedness, whether it's uh, telepathy or some synchronicity or or someone shoving a peace sign in your face uh, (laughs) like you did to them four months earlier in a lucid dream, sometimes that's when the subconscious insecurity comes out. Uh, When we hear it from the pulpit, we like the idea. But when we have the experience of it, all of a sudden it brings up questions about uh, the nature of identity and um, and uh, and 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 how connected we really are and what that might mean yeah. as a practical matter. Yes. So, so I, I think also inception brings up some of these uh, spiritual questions and, and makes mm-hmm. us l- look at them even a, a little bit more deeply as well. Mm-hmm. We are talking with Robert Wagner this morning on Dream Talk Radio. Robert is the author of Lucid Dreaming, Gateway to the Inner Self. And uh, he wrote a blog post on 10 things I like about Inception. And you can uh, find that by going to uh, lucidadvice.com and clicking the link to Robert's blog. Uh, one of the things that I um, that was that was central in the movie Inception, and I wanted to get your comment on is the whole. We we mentioned it briefly uh, earlier in the show. This whole idea of of getting sort of designer drugs that would sink people down into a dream state, and I mean that's 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 the kind of a, a sci-fi wishful thinking, but also a handy uh, plot. Uh, you know, point a narrative. It helps the narrative in the movie, but uh, to my knowledge, there are not really such drugs around. And and furthermore, most drugs that I know of de- uh, inhibit dreaming. So, if for instance, there's all these talks about different sedatives to get to different levels of the dream, and I was thinking, sitting there in the movie theater, thinking, yeah, but sedatives, de- you know, inhibit your dreaming and your recall and everything. So maybe can can you talk a little bit to that point of of uh, chemical compounds to encourage or inhibit lucid dreaming? Right. Um, You know, and this is one area where science fiction might someday become scientific fact. Mm. Um, 
There have been uh, studies, uh, some conducted by Stephen LaBerge and, and others, that, that have looked at various chemical compounds that seem to increase uh, the likelihood of becoming consciously aware in the dream state. And, and some of these compounds um, are related to uh, um, the red spider lily mm -hmm. and some of these uh, natural herbs, but they're, they're currently used for Alzheimer's patients yeah. to kind of keep Alzheimer's patients in this here and now. And so, so um, there's been some studies on them. Um, I myself uh, don't like uh, the idea of taking a chemical that might help me become lucidly aware. Um, I, I, I think um, I'll let other people be the guinea pigs. Sure. And, and, and once they figure out the proper compound, uh, th th then I'll think about it a little bit more deeply. But, but it might be something that, that 10 or 15 or 20 years from now, they might actually discover a chemical doorway to becoming consciously aware in the dream state. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, so I think this is really um, actually kind of an important issue. Um, you know, what, what would that mean if, if you could basically have a 95% chance that night after taking a pill that you'd become consciously aware in the dream state? Mm -hmm. I mean, what, what would that do to uh, the nature of sleep and, and dreaming if you could become aware in this environment where you could basically do whatever you wanted to do. So in the movie, we see that, uh, that there's whole groups that would get together and collectively uh, go into a uh, right. lucid dream state together. Right. Um, I don't know if technology will ever get us to that point, but, but I do have a feeling that in 15 or 20 years, um, that there might be some chemical compound that, that allows for lucid dreaming pretty much mm. on demand. Yeah, you know, it would be interesting to see, it will be interesting to see, because hopefully you and I will both live to see it, um, the how uh, dream research is uh, influenced or not by this movie. I mean, it seems to me that most of the money in dreams is is sort of going towards the neurophysiology of, of the dreaming uh, state. But if there were some interest or some money thrown towards looking at uh, compounds like the red spider lily, the galantamine, the extracts of that, and and what can induce lucid dreaming, it, it might be a kind of a... a useful uh useful sort of course for research just in terms of the the um possibility of rescripting nightmares and the whole recovery from trauma thing that can happen through lucid dreaming that would be you know it'll be curious to see whether uh, that type of dream therapy or uh, chemical exploration is is actually funded in the years to come Right. It, it'll be interesting to see how, how this develops, but it, it definitely is one area that, that I think uh, science and technology is going to uh, investigate more deeply. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, one last topic to, uh, that I, I wanted to touch on was the, this, the, all the dream characters in, uh, in Inception. Now, in the movie, all the dream characters are, are explained as thought forms uh the the dreamer the the architect of the dream uh it 
creates the dream space that all of the dreamers go into, and that dream space is peopled by thought forms of that architect. And I know in your book you have a really great uh, explication of the different types of dream characters. Maybe you could flesh that out a little bit, because I thought that was one place where the movie, I mean, obviously you need to reduce the complexity for a movie plot, and this plot was already pretty complex, but maybe you can just give our listeners some some idea of the range of dream characters that we find. Right. It, it's one of the more fascinating aspects of lucid dreaming is interacting with dream figures, uh, because it's much more complex than, than I think normal science of dreaming or dream theories would, would tell us. Because wh- when you become consciously aware in the dream state, you can begin to interact with the dream figures. You can ask them questions. You can do all sorts of things. And, and you begin to realize that they're much more complex than you'd normally assume. So, so at the base level, um, I, I'd say you, you do have, have kind of a thought form uh, a basic kind of dream figure that's in the dream there just as part of the cast of thousands. It, it doesn't have any real reason for being there necessarily. It, it's just there as kind of a uh, 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 an appropriate thing to have in the setting of the dream. So, so that's the kind of basic uh, dream figure. And, and that kind of dream figure, you can tell what little awareness it has because you go up to ask it a question and, and it'll just look at you so blankly. Hmm. It, it won't even respond. Sometimes it'll just uh, look away and walk away. So, so, so that's kind of the basic level of dream characters. The, the next level of dream characters are, are ones that seem to have a little bit more awareness. Uh, you'll go up to them and you'll ask them, um, um, do you know I'm dreaming you? Or do you know this is a lucid dream? And, and they'll, they'll look at you like they're kind of uh, disgusted. <laughs> and um, there's been examples of lucid dream figures responding, how do you know I'm not dreaming you? Hmm. And uh, the lucid dreamer would then say, well, well, look, I can fly. And then that same dream figure will say, well, look, I can fly too. And so you get into very curious interactions with dream figures when you become consciously aware because you realize that they, at that level of the dream, appear to have some level of awareness. Uh, Another thing that uh, lucid dreamers become conscious of is what we call independent agents. Hmm. And, And these are dream figures who seem to have an agenda of their own which is sometime in opposition to the lucid dreamer. Um, just to give an example, uh, once in a lucid dream, I was flying over a crowd, and I decided to knock off each of the hats that were being worn by the various men in the crowd. <laughs> so I'd fly down and knock off a hat, then I'd fly down again and knock off another hat. And then the third time I came down to knock off a hat, all of a sudden a hand reached up from the crowd and grabbed me in mid-flight. <laughs> and, and that really shook me up that that uh, here was a dream figure who was acting in opposition to, 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 to what I was trying to do. <laughs> and, and lucid dreamers, uh, almost all of us eventually uh, meet what, what we call an independent agent, uh, yeah. one of these dream figures who, who do seem to have their own uh, interest in mind. Yeah. Well, one curious thing that uh, the German psychotherapist uh, Paul Foley uh, who is a brilliant lucid dreamer and investigator, 
uh, came out with in the in the 80s and 90s. Um, he said in his research, he discovered that certain dream figures were consciously aware before the lucid dreamer became conscious. Hmm. And, and I've discovered this as well, that sometimes I've had lucid dream figures, they'll question me or pester me until I become consciously aware. Hmm. And then when they see that I've become consciously aware, that they start to clap and applaud <laughs> me. And, and sometimes they'll joke uh, with me. And in some cases, I've even realized that the night before, these same dream figures were there trying to get me to become consciously aware. So, so, mm. so you're right, Anne. That this is a very curious uh, aspect of lucid dreaming and, and something that I think uh, theorists and, and others ought to take into account yeah. when, when they think about mm. the nature of dream figures, that they're very much more complex than, than, than we'd normally uh, imagine. Yeah. Now, I mean, anybody who is uh, has studied Jungian dream theory will know the, the term archetype, which uh, I'm, I'm sort of loosely translating into, and it may not be an accurate translation, into your idea of these independent agents. Uh, do you have a sense or a sort of a working understanding of what that what that type of figure is in a dream, the archetype, and how it relates to the whole um, the the sort of taxonomy of dream characters that you were just talking about? The the way I'm approaching it right now is is to kind of act as a as a dream anthropologist mm-hmm. or a or a dream naturalist. That that I I just want to see what what I observe, yeah. because I know if I start to expect certain types of things, that then then I won't uh, be dealing with the lucid dream as the lucid dream. Oh. I'll, I'll I'll kind of overlay my expectations and ideas upon it. But uh, it it does seem that there might be something similar to to an archetypal energy within the lucid dream. But but right now, I still think we need to investigate it mm-hmm. uh, w- without too much theoretical overlay. Well, fair enough. The Jungian psychology is pretty complex and, and may not really be the language we want to use anyway. But I, I was really struck in the movie Inception about when Ellen Page is, uh, he's, he, she's the sidekick. She's Cobb's sidekick. And her name is Ariadne. And because I know at least some Greek myth, I knew, okay, Ariadne is the one. He, he She's the daughter of uh, King Minos the, that has has the labyrinth with the minotaur in the in the in the you know down below the castle right and and she's the one that gives Theseus the the golden thread so he can find his way into the labyrinth slay the minotaur and then find his way back out again so i'm re- the, the the name ariadne attached to that movie figure automatically made me say oh she's the one with the golden thread therefore you know in my version of this movie going forward i'll bet she helps leo dicaprio slay some minotaur and we'll just find out if that's the setup but i to me that was the the insertion of this sort of you know, this archetypal figure in this movie, which I, I thought was, um, I mean, for maybe people going to school these days, younger people don't really know those myths, but um, they they could be one of those things that sort of, th- that people pick up on synchronistically just because they are myths and cultural icons, if not archetypes. 
Right, and 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 I, I agree with you that that she played a very important role in this film because she she kept insisting to the main character Cobb that 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 he was lost because he failed to deal with his subconscious issues and his mm-hmm. guilt and his grief, mm-hmm. and and that's one thing that I want to get across to listeners is that lucid dreaming fundamentally is a spiritual journey, mm-hmm. and. The first thing that a lucid dreamer needs to do is clear away the emotional and psychic uh, wounds and misperceptions uh, that might ultimately distort their view. And and once those are taken care of, then lucid dreaming uh, comes to be seen what I believe it really is, which is a a path for spiritual growth Mm -hmm. and development. And maybe that's a good place to to end this fascinating discussion. Uh, Robert Wagner, thank you so much for being on Dream Talk Radio this morning and talking about the movie Inception with us. Uh, Robert is uh, author of Lucid Dreaming, Gateway to the Inner Self. His website, one of them, is lucidadvice.com. And if you click on the link there to his blog, you'll find his new blog article, 10 Things I Liked About Inception, that that goes into, that basically outlines a lot of the things uh, we've been talking about this morning. Robert, any parting thoughts for our listeners? Oh, no. uh, I just want to thank you, Anne, for this opportunity to talk about lucid dreaming. It it really is a gateway to the inner self, and and, uh, I I encourage... uh, your listeners to explore it further. Well, great. I'm sure they will. And I'm definitely, I'm sure I would love to have you on the show again in the future. So thanks so much for being here this morning. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Robert Wagner, author of Lucid Dreaming, Gateway to the Inner Self. You have been listening to Dream Talk Radio. I'm your host, Anne Hill, every Thursday on COWS, K-O-W-S-L-P Occidental. That ends this week's Dream Talk radio show podcast. Thanks for listening, and remember to tune in every Thursday from 9 to 10 a.m. at www.kows.fm. This is Ann Hill, and I'll see you again next week.